Hi guys, welcome back to Typically Peachy. How's everyone doing? Happy Thursday. If it's Thursday for you, what's new with me? Let's get right into it. I had such an amazing weekend. It was so full, so many activities, but I must admit I am now pretty tired. I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed because there's a lot that I have to get done within these next couple days, within these next couple weeks. And it's just building up and up and up because of all the stuff that I've had going on. I haven't had much time to dedicate to the other stuff that I need to get done. And I go home today. So while I am very, very excited to see and spend time with my family, it's always such a bummer when I do have a lot that I have to get done when I'm with them because I want to dedicate 100% of my time to spending with them Hanging out, just chilling, having great conversation, great meals, fun downtime. But the reality is, is that there's a lot to do in my life right now. But it is what it is. We're going to get through it all. We always do. A little recap of this incredibly fun weekend. Like I mentioned last week, my boyfriend's family was in town. So we did a lot of exciting things. The Sail Grand Prix is currently going on. So we went on a boat and watched some of those races, which was really, really cool. It takes place in a bunch of locations, but one of those locations is Chicago on Lake Michigan. So we got to see it. It was beautiful. It was really exciting, except for the fact that the day that we went to see it, that we were out on the water, there was basically no wind. So these sailboats had a very tough time getting any kind of speed. So it more felt like turtle racing than sailboat racing. They were going pretty slow, but nonetheless, it was in fact a race. I've never actually seen anything quite like it, so it was a really cool experience. One, of course, to be out on the water and be so close to the sailboats watching it happen. But then, too, all of these countries participating in this competition. And Chicago just so happened to host for part of the race. I don't know if that's always how it is. Again, very unfamiliar with this because this is the first time that I've ever seen it. But if this is something that happens every year, I want to do it again. It was a really cool experience. Another thing that we did, we went to a Cubs game, which is always a phenomenal time. Unfortunately, the Cubs did not win, even though I am a Twins fan at heart. But if the Twins aren't playing, then I'm a Cubs fan. My mom's from Chicago, you guys. Gotta support. But it was great being there, eating a hot dog, cheering with the fans, Another great day weather-wise, we got extremely lucky, and then we pretty much spent the rest of the time that they were here eating great food, going to different restaurants, continuing to explore the city, something that seemingly never gets old. And like I said, now today I'm headed back home to Minnesota, getting to spend time with my family, which I am eternally grateful for the fact that we are all going to be in the same place again, even for a short amount of time. I'll take what I can get. I love and miss my family so much. So I'm excited to literally do nothing with them. Just hang out. That's really all that's new with me. So let's get into the rest of this episode, starting off with what's hot this week. First story, one that I came across that was actually very shocking to me. I don't know if you guys will feel the same, but here it is. According to HypeBay.com, Netflix's first ever pop-up restaurant is set to open on June 30th. Dubbed Netflix Bites, the menu will feature special dishes, 
curated by well-known chefs from popular culinary shows. The list of accomplished chefs include Curtis Stone from Iron Chef, Dominique Crenn, Chef's Table Iron Chef, and Rodney Scott, Chef's Table BBQ, Ming Tsai from Iron Chef, Ann Kim from Chef's Table Pizza, Nadia Hussein from Nadia Bakes, Jacques Torres from Nailed It, and Andrew Zimmern from Iron Chef. According to Rezi, quote, the ultimate Netflix dining experience, serving up cuisine from the world-renowned chefs you've seen on Netflix. Reservations to Netflix Bites requires a non-refundable deposit of $25 per person. This deposit will go towards your final bill. You will not receive a refund if you change or cancel. Netflix Bites opens from Monday to Sunday from 5 to 10 p.m. Meanwhile, on weekends, it will run under a brunch schedule from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Reservations can now be made online and require a non-refundable deposit of $25 per person. All right, now why I was shocked about this is because I never really anticipated Netflix entering into the restaurant space. I don't know if any of you guys saw this coming. And while I do think it's a bit odd, it is an interesting concept, specifically because Netflix does have a lot of these cooking shows. So it does give an opportunity for that show and those chefs and all of their experiences to exist outside of the screen. And I can imagine people would love this if they love these chefs, if they follow these shows, if they want to taste the things that they do see on these Netflix shows. I'm curious how well it will do, because it definitely is a niche thing, but it also is a pop-up restaurant, so it's not necessarily here to stay. They're trying it out in LA, which of course does seem like the perfect spot, because especially for those that are visiting LA, this seems like it would be a fun, kind of interactive experience to do. It doesn't say how long it's going to be up for, but again, it does open June 30th, so I'm guessing it's going to last at least through the summer. And if nothing else, I feel like people will go to just see how it is. I would maybe check it out if I was still in LA, just probably to review it for you guys. I'm not that big into the cooking shows, but I could see how this would be a great tourist attraction or just somewhere, like I said, for a super fan of these shows or chefs. I'm guessing it'll be semi-hard to get a reservation, again, depending on how long this runs through, because it's a pop-up and it's new and it's different. So if you do want to try it out, grab those reservations and let me know how it is, because if it is successful, I am guessing that we are going to be getting more pop-ups and would not be surprised if one of those happens to be in Chicago. If it does come to Chicago, I will try it for you guys. But until then, you West Coasters, let me know how it is. Alright guys, next up for what's hot is a story that I actually came across last week, but there was too much to get through last week. So even though this news article has been out for a little bit, it is still incredibly relevant in my mind because it is wild what I'm about to read, alright? According to Forbes.com, Taylor Swift's The Eras Tour could generate $4.6 billion for local economies. You heard that number, right? $4.6 billion. Forbes writes, It's no surprise that Taylor Swift is a titan of the entertainment industry, as her latest trek, The Eras Tour, has become the most sought-after ticket of the year. 
Fans are clamoring to see her live performances, creating an unparalleled demand. And with the high demand, it comes not only a phenomenal music experience, but also the potential for Swift to become even wealthier than before. And it seems that the singer and her team are not the only ones reaping the benefits. A recent report revealed that the heiress tour's popularity has had a significant economic impact on the local economies of the city she visits. Fans are not just attending the shows, they are making a whole trip out of it, contributing to the local businesses and generating a substantial influx of money into these communities. According to Fortune, a data report from research company Question Pro suggests that the Eras Tour has the potential to generate a staggering $4.6 billion in consumer spending in the United States alone. This figure is astounding and solidifies Swift's venture as one of the most significant tours of all time, considering its overall impact on the economy. The Fortune article makes the economic impact evident by examining the city Chicago, where Swift recently brought her the Eras Tour. The metropolis experienced an unprecedented surge in demand for hotel rooms, with an average of 44,383 rooms occupied each night on Friday and Saturday, the day she was in town. Choose Chicago, the city's marketing organization, reported that the hotel occupancy rates reached a staggering average of 96.8%, which now stands as an all-time high record. While the Eras Tour undoubtedly brings immense financial gains to the local economies, Swift herself is not left behind in this prosperous journey. The tour is set to make her a fortune, with the potential to earn hundreds of millions of dollars. Swift takes home millions per night, with estimations ranging into the eight digits per show. Her astronomical success as a performer goes hand-in-hand hand with her influence on the city she visits. It's undeniable that her immense popularity is a driving factor behind the economic rewards these cities are reaping. All right, so obviously Taylor Swift is a huge, huge star. We know how successful this tour has been by word of mouth, but I think that when you talk about this in the form of numbers, about the actual economic impact that it's having on these cities, it's really so wild. And of course, the hotels, the restaurants, the attractions in these cities that people are going to during the times of the day that she's not performing. All of those things, all of those purchases, all of those stays, it makes a big impact on the economy. And I feel too that for this concert in particular, people are coming to these cities without even having a ticket for sure. And the reason I know this is because I have some friends that have gone to cities that they do not live in without having a ticket yet. They're hopeful that they're going to get a ticket and they're prepared to possibly spend a lot of money on a ticket, but they don't yet have one. And I think if the price was way, 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 way too out of their range for them to purchase it, they probably would have just stayed outside the stadium, cheered with the other fans, because that's another thing that we are seeing at so many of these Taylor concerts now an influx of fans outside of the stadium, singing at the top of their lungs, hearing her from inside, dancing with one another, having a great time. For my friends that did this, they did end up paying to go inside. Still a lot of money that they paid, don't get me wrong. But I wouldn't be shocked if people did the same thing and just decided, you know what, no, outside is going to be really fun too. But even then, they are contributing to the economy in some way, shape, or form. 
they need to eat while they're there, you know? I just feel like this whole thing is so phenomenal and it's so interesting to learn about more and more how much money it is bringing in, what the impact is. I feel like it's a tour that is being talked about so heavily right now and we're living through it. It's happening in real time. But I feel that one day it's going to be looked back on as something majorly influential that happened. Again, I am still upset that I have not gone because I feel that I am so ingrained in the conversation surrounding it. Also, I love Taylor Swift. We know this, you guys. I'm a true fan since album number one, and I'm still not giving up hope. The international tour still has to happen, so maybe we're going to make it happen here, all right? You never know, and if that is the case, I will likely contribute to an international economy. You guys, of course, will be the first to know. I seriously can't wait until we get to hear all of these numbers concretely once the tour wraps, mostly just because I'm so interested in all of this stuff, but also because it does set a bar. And again, it gives monetary dollar value to what is being done here, which in my opinion is absolutely astonishing. All right, guys, that's it for what's hot. Now let's get right into what's good. I have a show to recommend, and it is a reality show. So if you're not a reality show fan, I'm sorry, bear with me. But it is called I Am Georgina. Here's your summary. The Daily Life of Georgina Rodriguez. Mother, influencer, businesswoman, and partner to Cristiano Ronaldo. So, I don't know if you guys have heard about this reality show, if you have seen it while scrolling through Netflix, but that's what it was for me. It is a show that constantly pops up as my suggested shows, and I now understand why. This past weekend, I decided, you know what, let's just have this on in the background. I want something to watch kind of mindlessly. What better than a reality show for that? So I put it on, but I soon realized that I did have to read subtitles, so I couldn't watch it that mindlessly. But I ended up being okay with that because I was so interested in it. One, I love Cristiano Ronaldo. I know a lot of people do. One of the best, if not the best, I personally think the best soccer player in the world. People are obsessed with him. He is insanely talented. And she is his partner. Not just his partner, but mother to three of his children. I'm not sure if she adopted Junior, his first child that he had with another woman. I feel like she hasn't, but I could be wrong. But she is very involved. At least the reality show makes it seem that she's very involved in both his life and then, of course, her three kids' lives as well. It's just kind of a fun show to watch. I mean, one, because honestly, there is so much wealth that they have. So the things that they get to do are just outrageously glamorous. And that's kind of fun to watch on screen. All the fashion, all the handbags, the shoes, the boats that they go on, the things they experience, the travel, them talking about their luxurious summer plans. The whole thing is so glamorous, a bit out of this world. But it's also really fun to see their personalities a bit more. That's something too that I love about reality TV shows. And I'm sure many people would debate me on this saying that they aren't truly themselves on these shows, which I agree with. I don't think they're 100, 1,000% themselves. 
But I do think that you get to see a different side of them than if you were to just look at their Instagram or just see Cristiano Ronaldo on the field, for instance. Because he is in this reality show too. So you get to hear from him. You get to see their dynamic. But it is very heavily focused on her, which I like that a lot too. Because we don't really ever get to see that. The person that is, with of course a lot of help because they have a lot of resources, again a lot of money, but the person that is with the kids the majority of the time, going to the soccer game, spending time with them, picking them up from school, things like that, that he isn't always there for because he's an athlete. So it's an interesting dynamic, it's an interesting glimpse into their lives, and I have been captivated so far, so I thought maybe you guys would like to try it out too. Again, there are subtitles, so she does speak Spanish, which I mostly understand, but she also speaks Portuguese, which I do not understand very well. So subtitles are present so that we can all understand. Again, it is called I Am Georgina, and you can watch it on Netflix. Alright guys, and next up for what's good, I told you that I recently watched The Princess Diaries, And I am now here to recommend the second one, The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. I very much recognize that I am not giving you guys anything new to watch here, but like I said with the first one, sometimes it is just good to be reminded of a classically good, wholesome, fun movie that you don't have to think about much. That's actually how I ended up watching this movie. This past weekend, when I did get some downtime, I was like, okay, I just want to put something on. I don't want to think too much about what I'm watching right now. So let me just find something easy to watch on Disney+. And of course, I thought, you know what? Let's watch the sequel to the first one. So there you go. I'm recommending it here and now. Here's your summary in case you haven't seen it. Mia, again played by Anne Hathaway, still coming to terms with her life as a princess, graduates from Princeton, which, by the way, was filmed at USC, my alma mater. I did notice that. Love seeing my school in there. She returns to Genovia, and her best friend Lily goes with her. When they arrive, Mia's grandmother, again played by Julie Andrews, informs her that Mia cannot become queen unless she is married within 30 days. Nicholas Devereaux, played by Chris Pine, is one of her top suitors, though he is more interested in the crown than Mia. But when Nicholas realizes he loves Mia, he decides not to pursue her. Just a great classic romance comedy for ya. Also, every time that I watch this movie, I forget that a young, little, tiny Abigail Breslin is in it. She is the little girl that Mia helps in that one scene during Genovia's Independence Day. When they're going through the crowd, she sees her, she's sucking on her little thumb, her braids are getting pulled by boys, Mia goes up to her, and it's Abigail Breslin, she is so cute, I love that scene, and I miss seeing Abigail Breslin on my screen, I hope she's doing great. Again, if you want to revisit this movie, or check it out for the very first time, you can watch it on Disney+. And last up for what's good, your song. It is called Yellow Lines by Brendan James. As always, you can find it on our playlist, Typically Peachy, What's Good, 
on Spotify. And to round out this episode, let's get right into Need to Know Basis. This week, what has been all-consuming in my mind is everything that I have on my mind, which is directly correlated to my to-do list. I have so many things that I need to get done, and I feel like this is a common theme in my life. I have an insanely busy couple of weeks, which often is combined with the fact that people are visiting us, or I'm in a different state, I'm visiting other people, or I have a bachelorette party to go to, or I'm just going home so I won't be in one place for a long time. All of those things mixed together with all the other things that I have to do, it becomes very, very stressful. And I recognize that this is something that I have talked about before, but the reality is, is that it's because it's kind of a constant in my life. There's always something that's kind of in the back of my mind stressing me out a little bit, and I'm trying to work through how to minimize that more and more, but I'm starting to realize that it feels like it's just the norm right now, and I don't know if that stresses me out more, or if it makes me calm to know that I've weathered this storm before, that I can get through it, that it's highs and lows of times that are extremely busy, and then other times that level out a bit more. Because at this point, I feel like I probably would have found some kind of a greater solution to minimize my stress a lot because of how long I've been dealing with all of this that I've had on my plate. Because I'm pretty organized, I'm pretty good at time management, I do always get it all done, but sometimes it just feels like there's so, so much to get done. And I know I'm being kind of vague about what it is that I'm getting done. Really what it is, it's combining my work, my actual day job, with then this podcast, editing, creating content, thinking of content, packaging it all together, putting something out every single week, which I love. Honestly, this podcast, just getting to talk and quite frankly, right now at least, vent a little bit about my life tends to be a bit therapeutic for me. But as you guys know, I also now have my other podcast, Excuse My Reach. And while I love it so much, and it is actually so incredibly fulfilling for me, it does cause an extra element of stress because it's another thing on my plate. And it's one that relies on other people because that podcast is an interview style. So I need to have a guest which I knew would be more difficult because, of course, you're working around other people's schedules. And also the prep work for it is very different. Like when I'm prepping for this podcast, it's a lot of just being up to date on things that are happening in pop culture or thinking of new songs that I want to share or products or content and then really just sharing elements of my life, things that are new with me And then also things that I've recently learned or things that I'm going through currently. So the prep work for that is a lot of times figuring out how to vocalize it properly and also in sort of an abridged version because of course I could talk about all of this stuff for a long, long time, but it does have to be consumable. So that is definitely kept in mind whenever I'm prepping for this. But for my other podcast, Excuse My Reach, it's very, very different. I write up an intro for my guests. I write up all my questions ahead of time. I want to be very well-versed in the things that they have going on in their lives from a professional standpoint. 
so that my questions actually make sense based on what they've experienced and I can foster a conversation already having some background about what they do and the space that they're in. Because if I don't do that and I just enter into a conversation with them like I've never met them before, it's not going to be a very cohesive conversation. And I know that I would then leave that conversation being like, oh shoot, if only I had prepped this, I could have asked this question about this thing or about that experience. And I don't ever want to leave an interview regretting that I didn't ask a question that I really wanted the answer to. Because I know if I wanted an answer to it, presumably some other listener out there would also probably want an answer to that same question as well. And it could be something really helpful that they don't get the knowledge of that because I never asked. So there's just a lot of prep that goes into that. And it's time consuming, which is totally fine. And I love doing it. But the problem is that when you're going off of somebody else's schedule, when you don't know when you're going to necessarily record with them, if you're going to record with them, then it's like, okay, first I have to make sure that they are on the recording schedule, that it's not going to be rescheduled, all that good stuff. And then I can start doing all that prep work. There's just a lot of things and steps that need to take place. And mostly I just get stressed because If I can't record in an allotted period of time, knowing that I'm not going to be home in Chicago for certain times, then I have to work around that because, of course, my ideal would be to record in Chicago in my recording chair where my whole setup is here. It's just a whole thing, and I'm kind of rambling now, but like I said, I'm viewing this week on Typically Peachy as a very therapeutic session because I just really feel... Like sometimes it is better to talk through everything that's stressing you out than to just keep it up in your brain and trying to just go through all iterations of how things could go wrong. Sometimes you just need to verbalize the things that are on your mind. And then you can take it minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. You can figure out all the steps that need to happen in the time that you have You can think of plan B's if your plan A's don't work out. You can think of different ways to manage your time, to strategize the little free time that you do have. Because again, if it just sits in the back of your mind and you never speak it out, and I don't know, maybe this is just for me, but if I don't get it out, it's not like it goes away. It's still there and it's almost worse Because then every single thing that I'm doing, even if it's a fun thing that I'm doing, I'm thinking about the fact that I have other things that I need to be getting done. And I don't want that. I don't want all my time that I have that's supposed to be fun time, downtime, quality time. I don't want that to be completely consumed by the things that I'm not taking care of right in that moment. Especially if it's things that are out of my control. Like I'm just waiting on somebody's response or waiting to hear if plan A is going to work or not. If I have to go to plan B, if I have to make a plan C, all those things. Sometimes I just need to get it out. So here I am getting it out. And honestly, my plan forward for the rest of this week, going into when I'm going home, I am just going to have all hands on deck in all situations. And by all hands, I mean all of my hands because it's just me, I don't have help in this. But that does not mean that I can't have all hands on deck. I'm going to deal with everything. I'm going to get it done. 
I'm going to remind myself that I've done it before. I've dealt with more. I just need to stay focused, allocate my time so wisely, figure out the best solutions to any problems that come. And while some may feel that having a lot of stress is essentially like sailing too close to the wind, I am going to rewrite my own narrative saying we are sailing too far from the sun. All right, we got to get back to it. No matter the stress, no matter how much is on our plate, no matter at all, we've got this. We are going to get back to the calm, back to leveling out. It's going to be okay. I don't know if any of you guys needed to hear that, but I needed to hear it for myself. So here's your daily, weekly, episodic reminder. You're more powerful than your stress. Sail through the wind. Find the sun. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you have an amazing rest of your week, a fantastic weekend. Spend some time with the people that you love. Say something nice to a stranger. You got this. Don't get discouraged. Remember the sunny days ahead. And don't forget to stay peachy, my friends. (laughs) 